welcome in and welcome back to the Run of Hoops podcast brought to you by Super Chicks. If you're stock and suffer for the chicken sandwich lover in your life, get a Super Chicks gift card. You can get one at one of their locations in Spanish Fork, American Fork, St. George, or online at superchicks.com. And remember, it's superchicks with an X.com. On today's episode, we'll recap the Utes' loss to TCU. We will look ahead to Manhattan and we'll talk net rankings and the early games within the Pac-12 conference and look at the conference standings and where things sit here in early December. But let's get right to it. The Utes fell on Wednesday night, 76-62. Utah took an early lead, but once they lost that lead, they never got it back. TCU took a 16-5 run to close out the first half, and that was pretty much it. They were able to keep Utah at arm's length the entire second half en route to victory. Utah was able to get as close as six or seven a couple of times, but never closer and just couldn't quite get it done. Brennan Carlson led the way for the running Utes with 19 points, nine boards, and six blocks. Booth Gotch also had 16 points and five rebounds, and Raleigh Wooster added eight points, four boards, and five assists. All of the other stat lines for the Utes were not really of note, which is a problem. Mike Miles, the head of the snake for TCU, Led the Horn Frogs with 28 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists, and Utah just had no answer for him whatsoever. Ethan Miller added 10 points and 7 boards, and Jacob Coles had 10 points off the bench, including a couple of big threes. This was by far, in a way, Utah's first really poor performance of the season. They got off to a nice start, they had TCU on their heels a little bit, taking some bad shots, having empty possessions. They were running through the the offense through Carlson, but then they got away from that, and it was really downhill from there. They took a bunch of poor and ill-advised shots and really played their way right out of this game and played right into TCU's hand. Let's get a look at the list of things that I liked, which I thought was going to be short, but it ended up being a little bit longer than I thought. Brandon Carlson continues to be pretty consistent for the Utes. But he was five, just 5 of 12 from the field and 0 of 2 from the 3. But he was also 6 for 6 from the free throw line. And he did get a few of TCU's bigs in early foul trouble. Utah was 84% from the free throw line, which probably kept them in the game at times when the field goals weren't dropping. But they never really capitalized on that. Booth Gotch had another nice game production-wise, but he didn't really feel like he was the go-to guy tonight the way he has been in the last two games. Didn't feel like he impacted the game the way that he has recently. Raleigh Wooster continues to play well. I worry a little bit about him throwing his body around too much. We've just spent the last two years with a point guard who couldn't stay healthy, in part because he played recklessly. So I'd like to see Raleigh play a little bit smarter, maybe pick and choose his spots where he's going to take those chances, take those big hits, those big charges. Brandon Carlson had six blocks, which... You'd love to see more of that. Now that puts his career total over 100, and he is now firmly in the top 10 at Utah all time. They did get TCU into the bonus with 12 minutes to go, which was huge, but unfortunately they weren't really able to do much with that. And then it was their fifth straight single-digit turnover game, but with so many empty possessions, the lack of turnovers just weren't a huge factor in this game. I think that's it for things I liked in this game. What I didn't like, this list may be just a hair longer. Like I said at the outset, they had no answer for Mike Miles. You knew going in that he was the head of the snake, 
the thing that made the engine go at TCU, we, we talked to Coach Broussard about that, and they either didn't or couldn't do anything to neutralize him at all. And in fact, the only person that really neutralized him was Jamie Dixon when he took him out to rest him. Utah was 3-for-20 from three-point land and 0-for-8 in the first half. Now, at some point, you've got to stop shooting threes and attack the basket, try to get a call, try to do something to get, you know, a little bit in more of a rhythm, get some easy buckets, just do something instead of just continuing to huck up threes and hope for the best. You had TCU in the bonus with 12 minutes to go in the second half and only went to the line six times after that. While we're at it, shot selection and empty possessions. This has been building for a little bit, but they've either had a good excuse, playing BYU or USC undermanned, or they were able to overcome it, like with the game against Cal. But some of the shot selections have been really poor recently. And when you've been limited by injuries, you just can't afford to have that many empty possessions. And the Utes had a ton of them in this game, and credit to TCU. They took advantage. That 16-5 run at the end of the first half was really sparked by a lot of empty possessions for the running Utes. And it's the same thing that prevented them from ever closing the gap to anything better than six or seven. They lost the rebound battle, 43-33, to which is a common theme in their losses. TCU had some good size, but they also had a little bit of BYU in them with some of their undersized guys getting in there and getting critical offensive rebounds and giving them extra possessions, including PV who is only about 6'7", but he was getting in there, mixing it up. TCU had 11 offensive rebounds that led to 10 points, including three offensive rebounds in the last five minutes that all led to baskets. Utah had six offensive rebounds that led to zero points. So if you want to know what the difference in this game was, it was right there in those offensive rebounds, second chance possessions, and extra points. Utah is not getting any production out of the four position right now, and that has got to change, especially as they get into conference play and playing a reeling team like Missouri next weekend and then Fresno at home. You just cannot afford to not be getting anything out of your four position. They only forced six turnovers by TCU. Now, that's another credit to TCU moment here, but at the same time, when you're committed to defending like these guys are, You've got to force more turnovers than six in a game. The guys returning from injuries, Gabe Madsen, Marco Anthony, thought they really struggled at times, which that makes a lot of sense. But given the struggles that everybody else had, it would have been nice to get a little bit more out of them. Now, Marco did have six points and four boards, so it's not like he was a non-contributor, but there were just moments of struggle for these guys throughout the game. David Jenkins was 3 of 11 from the field and 1 of 7 from three-point land and didn't shoot any free throws. So those things that he had done well the last few games, he got away from. Now, I don't necessarily think he's a guy that has to have the ball in his hand the way that Booth Gotch does, but they need to find a way to get him more involved in the offense and get him going, get him some early looks, maybe some early easy looks, set some screens, get a big, you know, get a big to get his defender off the, the spot, whatever it is. They've got to find a way to get more out of David Jenkins. Lazar struggled as well in this game, playing 21 minutes, and he was 0 for 5 from the field, including 0 for 3 from the three-point line. He was 5 for 5 from the free throw line, so that's good. 
But again, he had very little impact on the floor. Now, big picture, these two teams swapped places in the Ken Palm rankings. Utah was 72 coming into the game, and TCU was 82. And now TCU is at 72, and Utah is 82. So Utah now needs TCU to go out and win some games so this doesn't end up looking like a bad loss. Utah now has a get-right-by game against Manhattan on Saturday, and then they'll have a week off before they get a Missouri team that is really, as I mentioned, reeling, and at this very moment has a net ranking in the 200s. Obviously, you know, this is one that you circle as a possible win and one that could really help the resume, but it didn't happen. So they've got to regroup and get ready for Saturday. And hopefully Saturday will provide an opportunity for guys like Jenkins and Madsen to get in more of a rhythm and help Riley Batten regain some confidence as well. We'll talk about Manhattan a little bit, but this is an undersized team. It's a team that Utah should be able to fairly easily beat and take advantage of their size. One thing that Craig Smith did say in the post-game interview with Bill is that he's thinking about or wondering if they should play Lahat with BC. So Lahat at the four and BC at the five or vice versa. I'd actually love to see that. I think that that would be great. Now, obviously with, with Deshaun out, you're, that hurts your depth a little bit. But again, I think you've got to do something to try to get a little bit more production out of that four position. And you're just not getting it right now. Utah's going to have a chance at revenge on December 22nd, 2022 at Vivin Arena just over 370 days away. So start that countdown. All right. When we come back, we will take a look at those Manhattan Jaspers who visit the Huntsman Center on Saturday, and we'll talk a little bit about net rankings and Pac-12 standings after all of these words from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the podcast, Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight makes premium pillows and bedding products that will change your sleep without emptying your wallet. PillowFight knows that your bedding is one of the more personal and important purchases that you make, and you shouldn't lose sleep over trying to afford a good night's rest. Visit their website today and check them out at pillow-fight.com. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on their first purchase by entering the promo code GOUTES at checkout. For those of you serious about your sleep, you can join the Pillow Fight Club and get two new pillows every year plus all of the other benefits like free shipping, big product discounts, and VIP offers. Remember now, the first rule of Pillow Fight Club is tell everyone. So go to their website today and check them out. It's pillow-fight.com. That's pillow-fight.com. All right. Well, Utah's next opponent is the Manhattan Jaspers out of the MAC. That's two A's. We'll call this game the Josh Newman Challenge because Josh covered Manhattan for quite some time and now covers the Utes. So, as he would say, that plays. Manhattan comes into this game 6-2, and 1-1 one and one in their league. Utah is the first top 100 Ken Palm team that the Jaspers have played this season. And this will be the first meeting between the two programs. Their best win so far this season is against Liberty, currently 114 in the Ken Palm. They beat them 76-60. So that was a very nice win for the Jaspers. They are coached by Steve Masiello, who is in his 11th season at the school and has a record of 153 and 163. He has taken them to the NCAA tournament twice in 10 seasons, but he hasn't been there since 2014-2015. Hey, that sounds familiar. The head of the snake for Manhattan is Jose Perez, who spent his first two seasons at Gardner-Webb 
and then spent his junior season at Marquette. Now, he's averaging 13 points per game, but he had 25 in their last game, which was a loss to Quinnipiac. He also leads their team in assists at about six per game. Manhattan is small. Their biggest guys that play are both 6'9", and the aforementioned Perez is only is listed as a forward, but he's only 6'5". So that's probably a Marco Anthony matchup, assuming that he had no setbacks with his ankle and that he can go. They're ranked 254 in Ken Palm, and the highest they've gotten this season is 236, but right now they're 254, and in the initial net rankings, they were 245. So this is clearly a game that Utah is expecting to, to bring Manhattan in and beat them up for a while and give them a nice payday. Speaking of Ken Palm, he has this one, ironically, as a 76-62 win for the running Utes, which was the score of the TCU game, which is why it's ironic. And Haslam Metric has this one at 80-63. to So comfortable wins, uh, a comfortable win is expected. This is a game where Harrison Creer should play and score. For those of you who care about this sort of thing, Utah is paying Manhattan $85,000 for this game. And you can catch this game on Saturday at 3 p.m. in the Huntsman Center or on the Pac-12 network. Okay, let's talk about net rankings for just a second. And this is about to get a little bit nerdy. So for those of you who may not know, the net rankings are a rankings-based system that is based on some kind of formula that the NCAA has come up with to determine how good a team is. It's been around for a few years now and officially replaced the previous metric or standard by which teams were judged, which was called the RPI. The more teams you beat with good net rankings, the higher your team's net ranking is, and so on. They put the teams into what are called quadrants. For example, okay, get out your pencils here. A team Beating a team who is ranked in the top 30 of the net rankings on your home floor is considered a quad one win, the best kind of win you can have. If you were to play that same team on a neutral floor, like the Sunshine Slam or what Utah just did with TCU, the team only has to be ranked in the top 50 of the net rankings to be considered a quad one win. And then finally, if you beat that same team on their home floor, they only have to be ranked in the top 75 of the net rankings to be considered a quad one win. The rankings continue this way all the way through four quadrants, and the goal of any team's schedule or season is to rack up as many of these quad one or quad two, sometimes referred to as Q1 or Q2 wins, as possible. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee then takes these rankings as the primary way to figure out which teams are deserving of going to the NCAA Tournament. One other thing to note here, and when you hear me talk about the schedule, especially the non-conference schedule, uh, this is where I really geek out with net rankings. So the Pac-12 has established that you have to have an average net ranking of your non-conference opponents of 175. I think it's 175. Might be a little bit lower than that. So that's the goal of your non-conference schedule, right? Is have an average of 175. So when you're playing a team like BYU, who's got a really good net ranking, you can then afford to play a team like Manhattan or Bethune-Cookman or Sacramento State, who's not going to have as good of a net ranking, if, if that makes sense. So hopefully... All of that makes sense. I've got one or two listeners to this podcast who I know 
are basketball neophytes, so I will ask them if that explanation made any sense whatsoever. Now, the net rankings are updated every day to account for the results of whatever games have been played the previous day, and the first rankings came out on Monday, December 5th, and they've already changed quite a bit. So rather than give you everyone's net ranking today, what I'm going to do is tell you where Pac-12 teams fall in terms of the net rankings as of this recording. Here are the Pac-12 teams in the top 30 of the net rankings, again, December 9th. Arizona, USC, and UCLA. If you expand that to the top 50, you add Washington State. If you expand that to the top 100, you add Utah. If you expand that to the top 200, you add Colorado, Oregon, Stanford, and California. So that's nine teams in the Pac-12 that are in the top 200 of the net as of this recording. And then the remaining teams, Arizona State, Washington, and Oregon State, all fall into the 200-plus category, and that is what we call not good, just so you know. That is not good. That is not where Pac-12 teams should be. I don't expect that these teams will stay there because this is the sort of thing that really starts to iron itself out and even itself out as the season goes along. Some of these bad teams with good net rankings or teams from lesser conferences with good net rankings, they'll fall and teams from power conferences will move up. It's just how it works. Utah's best win so far this year, according to the net rankings, is Abilene Christian, who has a net ranking of 92, which right now would qualify them as a Quadrant 3 or Q3 win. Boston College is 122, but because that game was played on a neutral site, that game is also considered a Quadrant 3 win. Hopefully, that is not too muddled for you, and it makes sense. One last thing before I get out of here on a little bit of a shorter episode. When the Pac-12 added the two additional games to its schedule to get to 20, they put those games in early December as an early conference showcase type thing. Well, now after most of those games have been played, there are only three unbeaten teams left in league play. UCLA, USC, and Arizona. And those teams are pretty clearly the favorites at the moment to finish in the top three and make it to the NCAA tournament. The rest of the conference right now is really struggling, but there is a lot of basketball to be played, there's a lot of good games out there, and there are a lot of opportunities for all of these teams in the league, including Utah, to get better, to get more games on their resume, and so on and so forth. So all hope is not lost just yet for the Pac-12 or for the running Utes this season. All right, well, that is going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get a podcast. Rate, review, tell your friends. You can follow us on Twitter, at Running Hoops. Reach out if you'd like to sponsor or just for general feedback, or if you'd like a Running Hoops sticker. I know you've probably seen a few of those on Twitter. Still got some of those lying around. But until next time... I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Revenue Podcast. And as always, go Yeats.